0: it's not every day that a $44 billion lawsuit gets lobbed at a mining company. All that and more on this Energy and Materials edition of Industry Focus. Greetings Fool, Sean O'Reilly here at Fool headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia. It is Thursday, May 5th, 2016, and joining me in studio, as always, are Tyler Crow and Taylor Muckerman. What's the good word, guys? Oh, the bird! The bird! <laughs> the, bird. The, bird. bird the bird is the word. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably one of the top five Family Guy episodes. For me, <laughs> we're really, we're really letting the audience know that we're millennials right hey, now. But anyway. not only
1: millennials watch Family Guy. Uh, you know it's what? A far-reaching. Yeah, audience. that's a good point. It's old enough now to where it's broad. and It's, diverse, it's been so around
2: yeah. long enough yeah. that. Somebody's yeah. had some exposure to it at some
1: time. Uh, actually, on that
0: note, do you guys hear that um, Fox ordered from Seth MacFarlane a? This is going to come out in like a year or two. A live-action comedy space exploration show. Why not? Why sure. not a <laughs> live-action comedy? It's, it's going to be like a comedic Star Trek or something. I don't know.
1: With real people. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. going to star in it too. Seth yeah, MacFarlane's going to star. Good in for him. So he's more sing. than just a voice.
0: Yeah, hopefully he'll sing too. Um, so, obviously, the big news of I think it was last week was the Halliburton and Baker Hughes merger breakup that everybody saw coming. Um, Taylor, you did a heck of a job covering that on market foolery, though. Well, so, uh, we won't talk about it too much here today, but um, I think the, the best way to sum it up is everybody saw it coming. And so just wrote a huge check. Um, yeah. But if you're interested to learn more about Taylor's thoughts, Check out that episode of Market Fooler. When did it air? It was, was it? it was Monday. It was this Monday.
1: Monday so yeah. uh, the second May second. Cool. Yeah, and that was actually I think was that your like bold prediction for twenty sixteen. Yeah, it was. Yeah, you're free, Tyler.
0: Which wasn't that bold, but
1: <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, bold enough. It took four more months before they announced that it was that off is the a table. Good, that is very true. Yeah. That
0: man. How long did that start to finish? How long did they get dragged out?
1: A year and a year six and months. Half. Yeah, I was eighteen months popped mm, on my mind. So because yeah. it was November twenty fourteen. Yeah. When they announced, yeah,
2: it. it was right just about when like OPEC decided they were going to hold production. When everybody's like, they're going to cut, they're going to cut, oh, yeah. right? And just before that, uh, Halliburton and Baker Hughes were like, we're going to get together, we're going to manage yeah. this is just fine. Unbelievable. But,
0: um, so, earnings season is upon us, and uh, Royal Dutch Shell just reported earnings. Um, profits fell, unsurprisingly, eighty-three percent. Um, they vowed to cut costs more, though.
2: Well, every single time in this downturn, companies have been saying they've been looking to cut costs. This is the very first time we got to see uh, Shell, Royal Dutch Shell as the combined entity with BG Group, which it acquired last year, and now has finally actually brought it into the fold. So, we got to see the whole new, brand new Shell, all the fancy new things that they're doing. Um, All the bells and whistles. But, not surprisingly though, is that uh, with that release, New look, same pretty meh results. I mean, obviously, they're going to have a, a really hard time when it comes to generating uh, profits from its upstream side of the business. And one of the interesting things when you go through the um, the actual press release and go through the, the figures that they released, they, gave, they started breaking things out a little bit more comprehensively, and it gives you a better look at the numbers. Um, one thing that I did find kind of surprising was in the upstream numbers is they broke out Integrated gas, which is like everything related to LNG, and we were looking at upstream earnings for these companies being pretty weak. And when you actually pull out the LNG component of its upstream earnings, the rest of its production portfolio looks even worse. Wow! What um, I was just surprised because
0: I assumed that they were bare bones in terms of cost cutting already. So I don't know what else they're gonna do.
2: Uh, the I mean, the idea is. There is a lot of overlap between some of the positions that it has with um, with BG Group in places like Brazil, Australia, and other various places where they can you know consolidate some of the probably uh, administrative work, a lot of cost related to that end of things. So you know, aside from the typical cost of deflation that you get from service contracts and things like that, they believe that there is still some cost. To be wrangled out of it, which you know we're not going to see yet. The merger officially only happened a couple of weeks ago, and a company that size, it's going to take a few quarters to kind of right. work the kinks out of it. But really integrated, we'll see. It's one of those things where you have to kind of wait. And they see did what say
1: they feel like they're f- further in advance in the merger than they originally had planned on being, but at this point, in terms of like synergies, probably going to be brought forward a little bit sooner. So we'll see. Cool. They put the pressure on themselves to. to to another degree, I guess, not a huge degree, but they did say expect synergy sooner than than we thought. Yeah, which is it's kind
2: of refreshing for Shell, uh, Royal Dutch Shell. It's it's never been of the big oil companies. It's never been the one when people think about like the really disciplined capital spender and the low, you know, really trying to. Be the most profitable and cost conscious possible. You know that reputation has always pretty much gone to ExxonMobil. Shell has always been the the technology driven growth through production, um, trying to do the things that are really, really beyond the horizon. You know, Alaska, Alaska, going into the Arctic and things like that. And so, it, it's kind of refreshing to see them take this approach now, where it's we're actually going to. Focus more on being actually being a profitable company. How so, difficult
0: is do you think that'll be for them?
2: Not to even break even right now. Not easy, and in some ways, it's a lot of the positions that that it has taken over the years has been in what we would consider more expensive oil projects. Yeah. You know, you look at LNG, you look at deep water. It looks at doing the big upfront expensive things and. When you have that, you know, once they become a legacy uh, production, you know, you have something that's been online for five to ten years. Those those per barrel production costs go down, but bringing it on initially, it can be quite expensive.
1: And you mentioned LNG, and it looks like their liquefied natural gas sales were up twenty five percent year over year. So good to see an area of focus for them actually doing well, uh, especially an expensive area like LNG has been for them.
0: So uh, moving on to another earnings story that's uh, actually probably more surprising, uh, Tesla just reported um, they're going to ramp up production to five hundred thousand cars a year two years early.
1: Don't you raise your eyebrow when you say that?
0: It's <laughs> <my> favorite, <laughs> It's crazy to think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, my favorite line in it was um, they're complete. They were not specific at all. It was just this one sentence, and uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but they're just like, "Yeah, this is going to require more capital." I'm like, "You think?" Yeah. Um, I mean, does that imply a share issuance at some point again, or maybe Elon Musk will just write another check? Or
1: <laughs> keep in mind that five hundred thousand is like ten x what they produced this year. Right. So yeah. this is a huge deal, and like you said, they're bringing it forward by two years. And not only are they bringing it forward by two years, but then those two years that they lopped off at the end like two thousand nineteen and two thousand twenty, they expect to maybe what was it? Maybe double from five hundred to a million. Yeah, five hundred thousand to a million. Is that what they
2: said? Yeah, that's. I believe that's actually total. Cars produced, not oh, an produce. annual production. Okay, okay, so okay. Yeah. They, by f- uh, by 2018, they are going to have produced 500,000 total cars that yeah. are going to be um, mostly the Model 3. That the big push that they want to do here is uh, pushing the Model 3 forward and really getting it to market because we're starting to see some of the larger Detroit automakers like General Motors come out with the Chevy Bolt and they're going to make a big push on that. And so there's, I guess the best way to explain it is to say that Tesla didn't want to get left behind you know Tesla has not exactly been the most timely company uh, over mm-hmm. the over the years everything has s- seen some production delays ramping up has been slower than expected so for now that people its competitors are taking it more seriously on the electric end it's it's the pressure is on now for them to deliver on that
0: well and the the reason I was really surprised with this release and how essentially aggressive it was because um, I don't know if you guys caught this, but they just had two very high level
2: executives leave. Um, Coincid- coincidentally, on the exact same day that they were going to decide, what a coi- they're going to move production up by it's two so years. so odd. Um,
0: one of
1: them was the chief of production or no, something. Yeah. Both of them were Both production are, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So there's a piece over on Bloomberg two Tesla production chiefs leave ahead of Model 3 ramp up. Um, and it was. Greg Reichow, R E I C H O W, I'm totally butchering that. Tesla's vice president of production. And uh, John Ensign, vice president of manufacturing, will leave the company. And then a person familiar with the situation who isn't authorized to speak about the matter said the executive changes are linked to delays, glitches, and a recall that has bedeviled the Tesla Model X. Um, and that, wasn't it in the release that uh, just came out? They said that uh, Model X production was finally ramping up or something like yeah. that. So. I don't know what what a coincidence though. Those two guys are gone, and then and well, that, we'll see
1: if it if, it, if it, it's a coincidence moving forward. Right, if it was actually their fault and they were actually separating the wheat from the shaft.
0: I just I have to think that these were smart guys, and if they were having a hard time, I mean, is is Tesla reaching a little bit here with its goals? Uh,
1: did it specify has, if they left or if they were ever, forced well,
0: out? No ever says the one of the reasons for. I think it was uh, Josh Ensign was. Uh, Personal reasons. Well, like,
1: yeah, I mean, he could have been doing an alright job. Just wasn't comfortable with the stress factor of moving this forward two years, and which also wouldn't be surprising given what we've heard. But as you've seen, these tech companies, you see folks jump from company to company. So I'm imagining that these two folks aren't going to be hard up for work. Right. Um, now that they've announced their they're gonna, freedom from they're Tesla, go work on the Apple car. Apple car, they <laughs> could go work for any number of car companies that are trying to go electric or autonomous or both. Um, yeah, I think they'll be all right.
0: I caught this just before we went on air. GM and Lyft are, and you remember, of course, GM invested five hundred million dollars in Lyft a couple of months mm-hmm. ago. They're going to be test driving self-driving electric taxis in a soon-to-be named city. Yep. Um, would you ride in one? I Absolutely, would. yeah, and
1: yeah, probably not the first, right? But uh, and <laughs> I'll g-
2: wait till maybe the third or fourth. <laughs> yeah, All <yeah. before> <laughs> right, Jump in yeah. the third or fourth city, or the third or fourth car, third or fourth car. Okay. Right? Third or fourth <laughs> car. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I want to. I want to have a buffer zone between me and the, so we get like a like a presidential motorcade going. I'm but, really uh, curious what
0: this will cost for just to go a couple of miles or something because if you're not paying a human driver, I mean,
1: it's interesting because I I've seen and read other places being like. You have to basically three D map the entire city, and yeah. people think that we're a decade away from that being done on a major, major scale. So, I I would imagine it's going to be a small city. Right. It's not going to be a, a metropolis. It's going to be you yeah. know a rural like small capital from a from a smaller state or something like that. But uh, and, and Google just signed a deal with Fiat, I think, to produce some autonomous driving vans, delivery vans. So. There's going to be some of those rolling around somewhere.
2: It, it is almost fascinating to think of how rapidly this is progressing. Yeah.
1: Like, the cars have the technology. It's just if, if the streets do, but, is the big deal.
2: You know, if we were to take a, a leap back to 2008, um, never would have dreamed any of this. If you had said in 2008, Tesla Motors is going to by 2018 have produced 500,000 cars it'll be, be worth have, 40 billion dollars this is the
1: same time where they were struggling to produce the roadster and yeah, Elon road Musk store. was like forcing more liquidity into the company right. uh, yeah. at multiple times in 2008 so
2: 2008 tell you go tesla motors is going to build 500,000 cars they're going to have a family friendly ask like sedan and the $35,000 entry level luxury like Don't forget price the Falcon range. Wings. Don't forget those. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. An SUV, and everyone in Detroit is going to try to chase and catch up with them, or in some ways might be ahead of them with certain offerings. And at the same time, oh, on top of that, you're not going to drive your car anymore, we're just going to let a robot do it. It, it, it. The advancement in the past four or five years in the automotive industry is staggering. And it's, I like you say, kind of... St- Removing the wheat from the chaff here. This is going to be one of those times where somebody is going to step up to the plate big time and make a lot of money. Um, it doesn't mean that everyone in the space today is going to be. If as this
0: driverless car thing really catches on, I have to think that that's immeasurably bad for the big three automakers.
1: Well, so I saw something from um, the CEO of Ford, um, and he's saying that yes, we might produce less cars, but. These cars are going to be used much more than they are today. So, so we'll the vehicle miles driven, the vehicle miles driven, will will probably amplify. Mm. Um, and so these vehicles will be running really good to the higher yeah. mileage counts much sooner. So yeah, they're thinking that service might might save the day um, if production numbers drop because right now your vehicle sits idle while you're well, at work, while you're at home, and so in the, in the perfect world for really these story EVs to, and autonomous cars they're never going to park unless there's just absolutely nobody that wants to do anything
0: right i um i had an uber driver and this was a couple of months ago and very nice gentleman uh he had one of those new priuses mm-hmm. like the, the futuristic internal you know looking ones and um Said, oh, this is a nice car. How many miles are on it or whatever? He says, Um, okay, so I'm gonna give you a little bit of background first before I have you guys guess. Not only does he drive this full time to yep. make money on Uber and everything, but his two brothers do. You have three men. So they got using the nice so yeah, yeah. to make a living. Uh guess how many, it was a year just over a year old. Guess how many miles were on this Prius?
1: One twenty. <laughs> that's see, that's good. I'm gonna say, yeah, I'll go ninety five thousand. Two hundred thousand oh oh. miles, and that was just in a year. So that's a perfect example of what an autonomous right. taxi cab the, is capable of. The
0: car never had any downtime. Yeah, no. One of them worked from like eight a.m. Isn't that crazy? That's full utilization. I was like, you're destroying
1: this car. <laughs> and They're getting their money's worth. Yeah, they definitely sure.
0: are. So yeah, I don't know. Um, so other big story, and I, I have to confess, I. Wasn't aware that the dam, uh, the this story was as big as it was, but BHP Billington and Vale might be facing a Deepwater Horizon type event with you know what happened with BP a few years ago. Um, but uh, huge dam broke in Brazil, and I didn't know it was like that big. But forty-four billion dollars has now been uh, the bill's been sent to them. Like
2: this is um, a story that probably has been a little underreported. Um,
0: Perhaps the American media didn't report well yeah. Perhaps well, because now they it's have, outside
1: of the United no, States. Well, but, that and they have the Canadian wildfires now that are right. going on and causing wreaking havoc in the energy industry. Way to there. plug uh, Canada. Hey, Stock Canada. Advisor Canada, yeah. gotta look out for my people. <laughs> Good job.
2: But back in November, um, kind of getting back to the Vale BHP thing, there was a, a mine. It's Samarco mine in in Brazil. Um, they had a a mine tailing dam. Basically, it's when you're when you have an iron ore mine or various other any type of mine you're going to have some sort of place where you have mine tailings all of the like reject and waste that's related to the mine and uh, that mine or that the dam holding back tailings and all of kind of the the liquids this is wastewater wastewater from a mine stuff. really nasty yeah. stuff yeah. it broke um and for 400 miles a, a river yeah, in in this southern part of Brazil Minas Gerais it, it Basically, ravaged 400 miles of 19 of a river.
0: people died. They're talking about like it took a month or whatever for it to finally just kind of ooze out into the right. ocean. I mean,
1: <laughs> so on a they say dilution is the solution, but not, not to this here. degree.
2: <laughs> so when you you know kind of putting that into context, there was this kind of weird pause for BHP in Bali in the sense of oh, this is bad. We don't know how bad it's going to be, but it's probably going to be pretty bad and. About last month, they got a a bill from uh, on a it was more like a cleanup cost sort of thing, not yeah. a civil litigation suit. It was looking like it was going to be manageable, something like one one and a half billion dollars, not something that companies the size of BHB, Billiton, and Valley could handle relatively easily. However, with this potential litigation, as much as forty four billion dollars, that is one of those giant killer kind of litigation things, and something that is always a major risk when you're investing in not anything that involves the exploitation of natural resources. We saw it with BP in 2010. You know, we, we, I don't think anybody could have necessarily quantified in the moment how much this was going to be. I mean, you you knew it was going to be bad, but I think on BP's most recent quarterly release, they said, we have spent fifty-six billion dollars, and that's going to be like the total bill that they think it's going to cost for the for the two thousand and ten Deepwater Horizon spill. So when you kind of put that into perspective, that that sort of incident is could be a giant killer for Vale or BHP.
0: The share price is. I, I was checking out uh, Vale at least before we came down here, and it was at four bucks then, and it's at four bucks now. Like it's not.
2: Some of it may be priced in. Um, Vale does have some ties to the Brazilian government, very similar to Petrobras does. So, mm. you know, it's hard to say
0: they might not want to kill it. Is what exactly. you're insinuating? Yeah. And it's the
2: same thing when it came with BP too. You, when it comes to these penalties, you you want to get the money, so you you don't want to break the company that you're doing it. It, it can really cripple it, but in terms of payments, but you don't want some sort of litigation or anything like that that is going to completely bankrupt the company. Right. Full stop right in that moment. because there they're you want to get paid. And, yeah. You and you want to keep people employed. I mean, look at uh, uh, Volkswagen right now. The amo- amount of money that they're putting aside is certainly probably not going to be all the amount of money that they're going to have to spend on it, but over time as they still generate earnings, they're going to be able to pay it o- pay it off. Right. And that's been the same thing with BP. They didn't put $56 billion away immediately. Immediately. Yeah. It was over time.
0: Man. Uh, so we've got a mailbag question that was actually tweeted to us um, on April 27th. A
1: millennial mailbag.
0: Millennial mailbag. That is right. Um, but uh, Drew Morris on Twitter uh, tweeted at us at MF, MF Industry Focus. Question for the energy team Which is a better buy today, Kinder Morgan or Spectra Energy? Who wants to go first?
1: Uh, dun, dun, dun. I'll probably just I'm gonna just say Spectra Energy. I'm a that's the company I own of the two conservative choice um, okay. higher dividend. I like the regional focus and the resource focus of natural gas and the East Coast for the most part. Um, for Spectra, they do have some West Coast operations in Canada, um, but I like I like the f- narrower. It's not a narrow focus by any means because it's one of the largest pipeline companies in the United in North America, but. Um, it's it's a more narrow focus than Kinder Morgan is, uh, so that's why I personally like it better. Um, and then the dividend yield is is much better as well. Yeah.
2: When you look at the two of them, both are certainly. It, you couldn't call either of them what you'd call a bad investment. I think right. this is kind yeah. of like debating between two pretty good companies. And if you were to pick one or the other, I don't think anyone's going to be completely unsatisfied with their choice in any way. But I'm actually kind of on the same page. With Taylor, where I I tend a little bit more towards the Spectra Energy side of things, and one of the reasons because of it is in their development, like their their project pipeline, and a lot of the existing business they have right now, is in what is called the demand pull side of um, the midstream business, which is rather than the being the company that uh, gathers from the field, which is uh, you know from the well and things like that, that's known as supply supply push, where you're taking everything from the supply and getting it to customers. Uh, Spectra Energy focuses more of its pipeline and distribution on the demand side of things, so they're going to be the ones connecting to power plants and connecting uh, to uh, individual homes through gas distribution networks that they have in Canada. And That side of things does have a tendency to be a little less volatile in terms of, uh, volumes and things like that. So it gives a little bit more of a stable outlook in terms of its earnings generating co- capabilities versus Kinder Morgan's does have a little upstream production, a little closer the to the wellhead. Tankers that they have. Some tankers yeah. and storage and things like that. So with that sort of business model, and if you look at the way in which Spectra Energy is looking to grow in the next several years, mm-hmm. with, I believe it's another $20 billion in investments. Yeah,
1: they've and that's all, $15 billion have already been spent. They had a $35 billion right. plan from like 2014 to 2020, and they're mm-hmm. already well on the way, yeah.
2: So, with that much left, and most of it dedicated toward that, towards that, we're going to serve the customer, the demand end of things. It I think it does look a little
1: more promising.
0: I like Andrew Morgan better. <laughs> hey,
1: <laughs> like Tyler said, uh, neither. it's like, Neither one of them is a right. technically a bad it just, investment.
0: It seems to me Kinder Morgan obviously uh, cut their dividend recently in order to fund their expansion projects mm-hmm. because Wall Street definitely is not throwing money at energy companies right now. Um, but I do think the dividend will eventually get reinstated, and um, it, se- it seems well, they like still have more, a dividend and they didn't cut. Yeah, they've got they, a two point nine. They didn't really cut right
1: the now. yield. I mean, yeah. the yield was never up there with some of the bigger yields in the Very in true. the pipeline space. So yeah. they just trimmed it to. Rep- to represent where their share price was and what their financials really look like, so it wasn't that they trimmed it to like half a percent or one percent. Yeah,
0: um, it does. I'm interested to get some criticism if you guys have any. Um, it seems like there's more upside with Kinder Morgan.
2: Um, How so? Uh,
0: I mean, it used to be it. It's the largest energy infrastructure company in the country, and actually North America. Um, used to be at forty bucks. Now it's at seventeen. Um, Spectra, I don't think fell more than a third in this whole energy down. Oh, you
2: mean from a valuation Va- standpoint? From a valuation
0: standpoint and stuff.
2: You could certainly make that argument, but I mean, if you're looking from a growth pipeline perspective, you could even say that Spectra has more upside even simply better. because yeah. their development portfolio has remained robust throughout, throughout the entire time. Whereas Kinder Morgan, over these past couple quarters, have actually been trimming their backlog yeah, of Spectra projects. Spectra hasn't
1: cut anything, I don't yeah. think. Cool.
0: All right. Well, thanks for your thoughts, boys. Have a good one. You too. You too. If you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Again, that is industryfocus at fool.com. And as always, people in this program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear in this program. For Tyler Crow and Taylor Muckerman, I am Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening and fool on.